0: Hello everybody and welcome back to part three of our series on euthanasia, suicide, assisted death, etc. We're not gonna bother defining things because we did that in the previous episodes. You should listen to them. This is a series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll wanna go back and listen to part one and two where we've laid out the context definitions and we've discussed some of the philosophical frameworks relevant to the issue. Mm-hmm. Morality every day things is a podcast about. Everyday Morality, Mm -hmm, Uh, Jake and I, long-time friends and business partners, as well as this podcast, some angel investing, run stash.com, Very, very intertwined. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Getting a friend divorce from you would be (laughs) such a nightmare. (laughs) Third episode. The first one was on context. The second one was on philosophical perspectives. This one is going to be on basically just a kind of for and against some of the different perspectives. We would argue either side. We'll draw some of the philosophy into that. Also, one thing we didn't talk about in the philosophy episode that we probably should have included, religion, religious mm. perspectives. They'll mm. definitely come up here. So really quickly, I mean, if you've ever been in like a debating society or watched debates, this episode will feel more like that. We're literally going to weigh up the pros and cons. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, it will. <laughs> uh, no, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to kick off really quickly by just listing some pros and cons. We're not going to necessarily cover all of them. But just some things to think about when you're, when you're weighing up this issue. So, do you like the person? <laughs> <laughs> do they have bad taste? <laughs> do they have money you'll inherit? <laughs> so, on the side of the pros, the arguments in favor of euthanasia, I'm going to list these like bullet points. A civilized society should allow people to die in dignity. You should have autonomy over your own body. It's immoral to force people to live in suffering and pain. If suicide is not a crime, why should euthanasia be? Some rules are better than none, so if you're developing rules like for the system, a lot of people say it's too difficult, but it's better to try and have some rules than none. It's a waste of medical resources to keep people alive, prolong their life when they're suffering and there's no hope of a cure. That is a weird argument. <laughs> well, do you know what? It, it sounds kind of true in the extreme. It I sounds guess. cruder than it is, but it's like if someone is being kept alive on expensive drugs and they're pretty much like not compos mentis, okay, 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 that's okay. I, that's where it's going. Not like, <laughs> fair I, enough. Not like I don't like this person and we're still keeping them alive. <laughs> why they, 10 you know? pounds a month. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, it will be, uh, yeah, be much more expensive than that. And then, yeah, deciding what is in a person's best interest. So those are some of the arguments in favor. You might be familiar with some of them. These might even be arguments that resonate with you when you think about it. On the flip side, the cons. I prefer the term flip-flop. <laughs> the arguments against euthanasia, number one. There's really? already a lot of people in China and India. <laughs> That's an Ali G reference. Youth again. in Asia. Yep, there you go. Yep. But um, a big argument against euthanasia, a big theme of arguments is religious opposition. So this is the whole argument that God is the one who gets to decide when to end your life. Life is sacred. Two, people could be killed who don't want to die. Which reminds me of the Monty Python sketch where he's like, bring out your dead. <laughs> not, not dead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking of the Monty Python sketch where they- um, it's yeah, like the crucifixion bit? No, 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 no. Not in Life of Brian. They get to choose how they die. I, I think they're on death row and they get to choose how they die. And then they just have this long convoluted scene where it's just a man- being chased by a bunch of topless women and he gets chased <laughs> off a cliff. <laughs> so now, if I have to go, that's my form of, of euthanasia slash assisted suicide. Okay. I'd ask a hundred women, I need you to help me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I'll organize you for our 10th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> so, bullet number three, that legalizing euthanasia could devalue life and, and the way that we, we look at life could change social norms around death. Palliative care has improved a lot in recent years, and that could be a preferred approach rather than killing people. What about just giving them comfort at the end of their life? Wait, could, but, but I mean, wouldn't that still be passive euthanasia if you're giving palliative care rather than mm. like, or maybe your doctor's just decided that's the best form of care at that point. It, it's kind of blurred lines. It, it is. is. People could be subject to pressure and abuse. This is a nasty one, but imagine if you're ill, euthanasia is legal and people are like, come on, granddad, come on. No, it's, it's, that's assisted suicide, not euthanasia. Mm-hmm. You are discussing assisted suicide, not euthanasia. Mm. If people are pressuring you to sign a form, then it's assisted suicide. Fine. But what if there's pressure on the doctors? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. So it could also be in the doctors. True. I so the judge, would, I'm saying, yeah, well, yeah okay. decision. but what if people are like pressuring the doctors being like, thank them alive anymore. It's not worth it. Yeah. Or you, or, uh, I mean, imagine it's an American context and you're the doctor and they're kind of borderline and the family's like, oh my God, how are we going to afford this? Mm. And as a doctor, you're like, oh, I could solve this problem for them. Mm. God. Them making that decision tricky this leads to the slippery slope theme of arguments against which is just like if we make this legal even in some small way does that not open up potential for it to yeah be a slippery slope and and, and eventually you know doctors will be killing patients and you'd be scared to go to hospital. That's an extreme. But the slippery slope argument we, we will definitely discuss. What about making a decision that is against someone's best interests? What if doctors like end up with so much power? They abuse it. It's difficult. It, it just like changes the nature of their job and their relationship with patients. And lastly, the big argument against the classic one, which we said we'd mention, is the Hippocratic Oath. First, do no harm. I don't know the rest of the Hippocratic Oath. We'll come to that, I'm sure. Let's dive right in. Okay. We won't necessarily cover all those topics, but... Roughly, those are the fours and those are the against, and we'll go through most of them. One very common analogy that is given for the reason that you should be allowed to choose to die is the fact that we actually apply a very similar logic when we're thinking about our pets. When our pets are very ill or in a lot of pain, and this is not able to be fixed or cured, then people will often choose to put their pets down. And are often advised to do that. So then by analogy, some people ask if we're willing to do that for our pets and because we do not want them to undergo necessary suffering, then we therefore should be willing to do the same for our loved ones. Particularly, for instance, for those with terminal illnesses that will progress and are incurable. Typically, the context in which you would put down a pet, Mm -hmm. for example, motor neuron disease. Uh, The argument is that these patients will get to a point where their quality of life is so low that their suffering is just not justifiable yeah the argument then goes that people should be allowed to die with dignity the right to be able to choose this option should you wish to die with dignity is only an option if it's legal otherwise like we discussed in the first episode you know you get really awkward cases where people have to go around the law or then have to face the consequences of the law for trying to help someone in their life or to end your own life with dignity this is a similar kind of argument to arguments about abortion which is that whether or not it is legal people are still going to do it it just depends whether there is a safe way to do it or not yeah and therefore making it illegal risk risks sort of do it it's funny because you might think that there being a safe way to kill yourself like (laughs) invalidates the argument it's like we were discussing in the case of like Kay or francis it's more about just like making suicide comfortable or like being able to die in relative comfort rather than having to you know go through the sort of traumatic processes of Mm. acquiring weapons or drugs or whatever yeah there's a 2009 british television film a short stay in switzerland and explores this issue Mm, I haven't seen it, but I I read a bit about it. Yeah, the film is based on the real life of Dr. Anne Turner, diagnosed with a neurological disease, who, having looked after her husband with a similar disease, decided that, having seen the deterioration of her husband, she didn't want to suffer the same. And in the film, though she does attempt to kill herself, she is unsuccessful. Mm. I think then it sort of builds up to her going off to Switzerland, but it's all about like family arguments and um, yeah, the the, the, the the sort of relationship strains that her decision. Point there was that it's much more likely to be unsuccessful if you're doing it outside of like the controlled medical context. Mm -hmm. And for a more traumatic end of life, if the person is successful compared to dying in a controlled environment in a peaceful way with their loved ones. And this option in the same way that safe abortions are deprived when abortion is legal is therefore not available to people like Dr. Turner who are trying to make that choice, uh, particularly those who don't have the money to go to a clinic like Dignitas. It's a funnily elitist thing, right? Mm. It links very nicely to the next argument, um, also argued for in the abortion debate, which is the one concerned with, uh, concern with bodily autonomy. Yes, so bodily autonomy, and this is probably the one that I most strongly agree with. I don't know if bodily autonomy or just general autonomy is the, like, mm-hmm. just the idea that like you should be free to make those choices even if people don't like those choices. Uh, bodily autonomy is the idea that the physical body is inviolable and that every person has a right for autonomy and self-determination. This means that Jake has rights over his own body and I, Ant, do not have rights over his body. However, I did get him to sign that contract once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you own my soul, not my body. (laughs) (laughs) There are exceptions to this. Uh, For example, that the law requires the use of seatbelts, tells us what to do with our own bodies. But these are exceptions, not the rule. Yeah, to not legalize euthanasia therefore seems to contradict bodily autonomy. If someone wants to die with dignity, then they have the right to well, make that choice. That's more assisted suicide because that's where you have the agency. Sure. Yeah, it says you can know, right. but it should be assisted suicide. Yep. Uh, but it could be a choice they make in advance, right? That's true. They have the right to make their choice because a choice about their own body rather than about other bodies. According to the UN, UN lack of bodily autonomy and inability to secure the rights associated with bodily autonomy are legal, economic and social barriers which seem to be reflected in the reasons why people are inhibited from being able to access assisted suicide slash euthanasia services. We discussed that in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. So might it be better for people's bodily autonomy that we let them choose to die? It's funny because it's definitely it's one of those things where it seems borderline ironic that it's like you're making a decision that Uh, kind of ends your bodily autonomy but it, <laughs> it is an autonomous decision in it in some ways it does strike me as odd that yeah you have rights over so many things um, or rights to so many things as a human but one of those is not the decision to end your own life <laughs> so some people argue that it's not better that we let people choose to die Uh, for their bodily autonomy. In fact, many people on these issues do view that clinics such as Dignitas are doing what doctors performing euthanasia procedures, that people who are doing this are effectively killing. Yeah, and lots of people worry that if euthanasia is made the law, this might be a slippery slope. We said we'd come to these. The slippery slope effect is the idea that if we are not careful, the legalization of euthanasia could lead to us accepting some worse practices that are morally wrong. If we accept the practice of euthanasia, it's argued, then who is to say that non-voluntary euthanasia couldn't follow from this? Uh, There's a book that production assistant Martha read about 10 years ago and she wrote. It's called Matched, and it's about a dystopian society in which everyone, when they got to their 80th birthday, was then subject to non-voluntary euthanasia. Isn't this Logan's run? Well, it's a ripoff of Logan's Run, Uh, regardless of their health, in order to control resources in the population, to stop them from becoming a burden on society. You know, that's certainly the Greek ideal of like, when do you stop being a good citizen? Um, And yeah, sorry, Martha, to ruin your, um, to burst your bubble. Actually, despite you reading a book called Match, this is the plot of Logan's Run. (laughs) (laughs) Eugene Volok, if I've said their name correctly, Mm, is a lawyer argued for the slippery slope as reasons not to legislate in favor of euthanasia. I'm not sure which case Eugene was involved with, but um, yeah, yep. that's but a person I mean, with an opinion. We discussed this earlier. Like, slippery slopes are generally weak philosophical arguments. And you can put reasonable, reasonable safeguards. Just because you're moving in one direction doesn't mean inevitably society will continue to move in that direction. And actually, if we all agree that that's the right direction to keep moving in, at the time of slavery, there are people who were like, well, we can't give them some rights. That's a slippery slope. Soon we'll be treating them like other people. Uh, and it's <laughs> like, well, if that's the point that we reach a society maybe that's right at, yeah, or at least you know i don't know a lot of morality and social perspectives are, are relative so if they change yeah and to, to my this, god am i a moral relativist no to back this with something empirical there was a paper on euthanasia by Richens and Al, 20, 2009 which made the claim that euthanasia in the netherlands had not led to a slippery slope in light of legalization for medical end-of-life practices according to their studies there was no such evidence that yeah worse practices had evolved and there yeah. there'd been any slippery slope in this Yes. Okay. So following all of this discussion of life and stuff, we'll come to the religious perspective now. One argument that people give for not legalizing uh, euthanasia or why it's wrong is that life is sacred. Mm. Uh, And so choosing to end your life is a a kind of moral wrong irrespective. So some would and have argued that euthanasia or assisted suicide as a form of suicide is playing God. What do we mean by playing God? The idea here is that God alone decides when we live and when we die. And so to interfere in this is to play God. So, yeah, you're taking away God's right to kill you. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a very familiar religious concept to most of us because it spans a lot of religions. According to the idea of the sanctity of life, life is sacred from conception. And since euthanasia involves the killing of human beings, it violates that sanctity. And I think, to be fair, whether or not you take a religious stance or are religious, you might feel something along the lines of, like, life is sacred even if you don't believe that in a religious sense. The idea of death and euthanasia might make you uncomfortable, probably because on some level you feel that, which might just literally be an interpretation of your own drive to survive. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can also argue from a religious in your Christian perspective, it's violating thou shalt not kill, but I think they make enough exceptions for doing crappy things, as long as it's <laughs> in the name of religion, uh, whether that's pestering gay people or <laughs> killing heathens, that, yeah, you know, I'm not that worried if it if it violates thou shalt not kill. Like that can be a valid... General rule, whilst this could be one of the exceptions, perhaps more crucially for our idea of playing God to a religious perspective, according to the Bible, human life is not our property. God is the creator and therefore human life is actually in his ownership. Directly contradicts the principle of bodily autonomy, right? Yeah, 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 more like godly autonomy. Mm. Hence the classic verse, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. You may recognize that as the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Mm. To mean that if we as humans take away life, we're in violation of this principle. Very publicly, several popes have condemned euthanasia, including Pope Francis, arguing that it's always wrong. However, he has said that it's not morally wrong for us to not abuse you. children. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> He's said that it's not morally wrong for us to not use everything in our medical arsenal in order to help someone if it does not seem to be a proportionate use of remedies. So I guess that's kind of the passive euthanasia point. Seems to mean that if someone with cancer is still going through chemotherapy, which makes them very ill and unhappy but it's only prolonging their life by a matter of weeks, rather than actually potentially getting rid of the cancer, then it seems that the view of the Pope in this instance would be it's not morally impermissible to stop the chemotherapy. Yeah, passive euthanasia. Okay, so really what this is aimed at is showing that we ought not to be scared of death and fear it, but neither should this be taken as an endorsement of euthanasia. Mm. Unsurprisingly, in Judaism, there is a belief in the sanctity of life too, given that humans are made in the image of God, and therefore only God can take life away. Indeed, in the Talmud, Murder is forbidden as anyone who destroys a human life is considered as if he has destroyed an entire world, which seems to pretty clearly establish that euthanasia and assisted suicide should not be legalized. Well, that's not really how we determine our legal rules though, right? The Talmud also seems to contradict the argument we discussed earlier about bodily autonomy and people's right to self-determination. But for these reasons, it seems that the Christian view would be that the law should not condone euthanasia or assisted suicide, or in fact, suicide in any form, assisted or not. That's just quite simply the rule. It's worth noting, Belgium, which has the most liberal laws on euthanasia in the world, is a predominantly Roman Catholic country, but also a very secular country. Uh, In 2017, the Brothers of Charity, a religious order in Belgium, which focuses on care for psychiatric patients, announced that they would allow for euthanasia to take place. So Hmm. even a religious organization within that secular country, that's how much influence the secular portion has. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean... uh, question how do you reconcile this with christian beliefs given it seems to be in direct contradiction potentially the answer to that is that if a person is in extreme pain or distress then to allow euthanasia should instead be viewed as an act of compassion rather than an act of violence and i guess that's yeah that's how you frame it you might argue that in the quote love thy neighbor that teaching the most important thing is love and kindness and as argued above this could be an act of compassion Mm. Briefly, Hinduism and Buddhism both give great importance to the principle of non-violence, ahimsa. Uh, this is the idea that all life is precious and involved in the process of rebirth, and it is this that means that we should avoid harming all living things. The concept of karmic rebirth, then, which is the idea that once you die, there is some way in which you are considered to be reborn. Existence is a cycle. How much this new person is you and how different this new rebirth is varies hugely. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's a whole topic for a, a, a different episode. Hmm. I mean, the principle of non-violence basically seems to contradict the principle of euthanasia. So I think that's, that's fairly clear. We've covered a lot of religious ground there. Let's work through that list that you just said at the beginning again, right? Yeah. And we'll just kind of, you know, we can quickly say like, that's a good point, that's a bad point, and why? Go on then. So, okay. so pros, start. Pros. Civilized society should allow people to die in dignity. Good point. I, I Like, fun, fundamental point I agree with. Sustained. Death is, <laughs> death, death is far too tabooed. Uh, and the result is that people die in, in sterile and unloving circumstances far too much. There's a great TED Talk by a doctor on this called, I think his name is BJ Miller. Mm. Uh, and and it's all about dying more considerately. And he basically says that far too many people are in hospitals who should be in hospices and hospices mm. should be friendly not friendly, sorry, but like comfortable warm places where people can visit. Yeah. Uh, and, and have a a comfortable passing it's interesting. I mean, one of the things I really observed when we were in Mexico, total sidetrack, but they have, you know, many listeners will be familiar with the fact that Mexico, death is a bigger part of Mexican culture. You know, they have so much imagery around death. They have like, you know, all the skulls everywhere. And it's funny because I do wonder if the more developed our society gets and, and the more we sort of make crazy medical advances, the further away we get from we the reality of dying. With, yeah. yeah. Same way that like, we get further and further from the realities of farming, for example. Yeah. And we just see, eat- pictures of meat with happy pigs on the magazine <laughs> <packaging. laughs> yep yeah okay sustained next one bodily autonomy strongly sustained next one cool. <laughs> we discussed that one already yeah uh, it's immoral to force people to live in suffering and pain i feel like that's a subset of the previous one why is it immoral so say for example someone was living in suffering and pain but wanted to continue living uh-huh mm-hmm then it wouldn't be immoral to let them live in suffering and pain mm-hmm. right you're not forcing them the no case no so that's just a justification for their bodily autonomy decision mm-hmm. to end their life so actually not sustained but it sort of fits fits into the previous one yeah. cool if suicide is not a crime why should euthanasia be okay this one is just a legal technicality like suicide is not a crime because you die when you commit it yeah, so you, who, you can't who really the criminal be oh justice right yeah but, but that's what assisted but, suicide is but then but then to flip that around maybe suicide's not a crime because of bodily autonomy hmm mm-hmm. like it, it's your right to make that decision and that's a fairly key difference with these where, yeah. where there's questions of consent right yeah although again questions of insurance mm-hmm. and things like that like so so say for example someone does choose to kill himself early and it's not because of um you know end of life or whatever say they're struggling with depression mm. does that count as suicide or does that count as death to serious depression should it i'm saying not does it it doesn't as far as i'm aware like an insurance company won't be like well it was a death to a mental illness mm. they would be like no because they killed themselves it doesn't pay out as far as i'm aware yeah it's uh the insurance question is such an interesting one because it's it's something i hadn't really thought of at all in relation to this issue but yep it's so significant next one some rules are better than none this is one i strongly agree with because i think people are so easily make stuff quite black and white with issues and they're like and it's where the slippery slope fantasy comes in because like oh if we do this then we're going to do this but it's like no even though the rules aren't necessarily perfect and even though you Mm. won't your first iteration certainly won't be perfect it's definitely better to attempt have some rules that fit the you know fit some people's requirements and then evolve from there i mean the slippery slope argument is an example of a fallacy Mm -hmm. so like yeah agreed sustained next Medical resources? <laughs> uh, you know what? Medical and general resources. It doesn't yeah. need to be just medical. Medical implies a trade-off between that person and other people, mm-hmm. which has a stronger moral duty. But like we, we said several times throughout the series, like what if it's a significant strain on the family? What if Emotional keeping other- resources, social resources. You know? so yeah, it, like all the time you have to take off of work, an emotional strain on the family. Say every day that they're in that uh, with life support or whatever or in some sort of extreme mm-hmm. form of care is extremely expensive. Like that's actually legitimate, sustained. I I back that one too. Yeah. Only However, it shouldn't be the primary reason. I back that one as well because we're entering a sort of demographic period where populations are aging, and it's almost inevitably going to be the case that you know hospitals are going to fill with with people who are more terminally ill. And that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it, it sounds sustained, like crude when you put it that way. But I I back it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean resources only need to be allocation only needs to be decided because of scarcity and scarcity of resources in hospitals leads to someone dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Karen, uh, acting in someone's best interests. Sustained. Yeah, uh, utilitarianism is an argument, maximizes welfare and this one particularly applies to euthanasia where they can't express bodily autonomy mm-hmm. and then you're just making a decision on welfare. Cool. Um, Agreed. Nice. Okay, so those are the arguments in favor which I think yep. more or less wash out fairly positively. Yeah. Let's look at the arguments against. So, one, Religious opposition, life is sacred. Not sustained. <laughs> Only God decides when <laughs> to end your life. <laughs> God also gave us free will, which includes bodily autonomy. So even even from a religious perspective, not sustained. Smite me, almighty smiter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think however sacred you view life as I, I feel more strongly aligned with the fact that people should be allowed to have autonomy over their bodies and choose whether to die in dignity. Mm-hmm. Next. People could be killed who don't want to die discuss this loopholes genuine concern small side issue compared to the the positives gained i feel like it's a bit like trans people will abuse mixed gender bathrooms I to molest that it's such a small but it's a motive non- right it's a motive it's, very emotive. Why it, it's yeah. very emotive what was what, the expression a thousand guilty men free than one innocent man jailed i actually don't agree with that <laughs> if you agree with that logic then you find that argument appealing i don't yeah yeah it's it's the logic of like yeah if we let even one case of this happen it's a disaster whereas actually you're ignoring there yeah it's utilitarian right you're ignoring the the positives For of loads of people being able to access service yeah. services yeah not truly. to mention not to mention as we've seen with legal discussions like you, just because that happens doesn't mean there can't be malpractice and tightening of the rules to avoid it happening again like nothing yeah. is, no rules are perfect I would expect that it definitely would happen, not to the degree that people worry about. And it's definitely something yeah. that could be smoothed over or tightened up, as you say. You make it sound like it can be like the death can be smoothed <laughs> over. <laughs> Carry Just on. Swept under the right. Yeah. Don't worry about that one. legalizing this devalues life, changes social norms around how we view death and life. Life and death. Sounds, Sounds weird. Okay. I think life. I think that statement is true. But I think we actually, we don't have an appropriate view of life at the moment. Okay, mm. I think and I, I think COVID, COVID was a really good example of this, right? Like we were looking at all these death numbers and we just weren't putting them in context. Mm-hmm. How many people were, uh, you know, over 80 and otherwise unwell. And then thinking about life in that context. And we weren't thinking like, what measures are we taking to extend some people's lives and how much are they hurting those people themselves? Like, mm-hmm. you know, people in nursing homes during COVID are some of the people who had some of the worst living conditions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think we're so obsessed with, Uh, extending life that we don't stop and think what end like why how should we live life i completely agree with that because i think the fact that it will change social norms around death is a positive thing i think we've got almost a bit too removed from death as a society death is like one of the only things you can be certain of in life apart from taxes taxes (laughs) Uh, thank (laughs) you (laughs) benjamin franklin so i i don't necessarily see that as a bad thing i think it's true but i don't there it's an argument there are bad there are potentially bad elements like we don't want to validate a movement of people who in i don't know like some sort of Crazy Reddit incelly way might be saying like people should have people who are unhappy should have a right to just end their life when you know they have the ability to better their life. Mm. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's, but maybe that's yeah, totally that's wrong. Maybe one. maybe 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 fifty years from now that opinion will change and I'll sound old and stupid. <laughs> Hard to say. Next argument: the improvement of palliative care is a better alternative than euthanasia. But that's just passive euthanasia. Yes and no. I think it's weirdly it's like mm. more passive than passive. So okay. like passive euthanasia is like you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you turn off a life support machine. Yeah. This is more like giving, giving people comfort in yeah. death. Okay. This comes back to the question of of uh, that I kind of posed in the previous thing where it's like okay, we're we're so focused on extending life we don't ask why. Mm. This really comes down to like when your doctors making a decision on the best course for you what are they optimizing to are mm. they optimizing to number of days that you live or are they optimizing to number of days times by the quality of that life yeah. or are they just optimizing to meeting some of your personal beliefs or whatever it's a very nice way of framing it, actually yeah because you're right i imagine most people look at it purely numerically as mm. um yeah number of days but i think quality quality is a huge factor and i think that's why palliative mm. care is important because at least it gives people yeah. in theory some measure of quality yeah and, fine, and, fine and, of days. i mean like it's uh, it's just not one or the other, right? like mm-hmm. just include that and in you mix. could do both. maybe yeah, maybe you can legalize euthanasia and assist suicide, but at the same time provide such good alternatives that they kind of aren't necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Pressure and abuse. pressure and abuse. Uh, is that not extremely similar to the risk of people being killed who don't want to die? Or is this this not kind of a subset of the same thing where like uh, other people break the rules? Yeah, they all sort of, they're variations on the theme of like, you know, the more legal you make make it, the easier it is for someone to to take advantage of those rules. You could totally interpret this as, yeah, you could interpret this as like, people could be pressured into committing assisted suicide, committing uh, to to, to, like suicide early or like going to Mm, an assisted mm, suicide mm, clinic or doctors could be pressured to administer euthanasia in cases where it might not necessarily be in someone's best interest. true. True, but I, okay, I would assume small relatively and we can correct for it if we see that there's meaningful data to Mm. contradict it. The only, to be fair, that's one actually, that's probably the one I vibe with the most on the con side because I could see that, I could see that opening up really tricky like conversations. I mean, the film that I haven't seen, but was reading about uh, the short stay in Switzerland, the entire theme of that film is, 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 as I understand it, is around that. It's around like family dynamics and relationships getting really uncomfortable when someone is sort of Making this decision, not making this decision, etc. So, yeah, I, I have some sympathy for that one, and I guess all of those together kind of tie into the next point, which is slippery slope, and that is basically just yeah, uh, as we've discussed at length already, the, it could open up avenues for things becoming much more immorally wrong. Agreed. I mean, it's literally a fallacy, and and maybe you know if it becomes slippery slope, maybe that's more because of changes in public opinion mm-hmm. does that wrap everything up then jake last one and can you google the hippocratic oath because <laughs> <laughs> i have realized we never had the definition down it's come up a few times uh let's get you guys the i think it's quite long fyi all right we don't have that much time give us the tldr first do no harm part of the original oath of the phrase does not appear in the original version <laughs> oh wow uh, it's actually i will abstain from all intentional wrongdoing and harm okay that's the part that everyone knows the actual oath is very long okay here we go Told my teacher in this art equal to pay to my own parents, to make him partner in my livelihood, when he's in need of money to share mine with him, to consider his family as my own brothers, and to teach them this art, if they want to learn it, without fear or indenture, to impart precept, oral instruction, and all other instruction to my own sons, the sons of my teacher, and to indentured peoples who have taken the healer's oath, but to nobody else." I will use those dietary regimens which will benefit my patients, according to my greatest ability and judgment. I will do no harm or injustice to them. Neither will I administer poison to anybody when asked to do so, nor will I suggest such a course. Similarly, I will not give to a woman a pessary to cause abortion. I will keep pure and holy both my life and my art. I will not use a knife, not even verily, on sufferers from stone. But I will give place to such as are craftsmen therein. Into whatsoever houses I enter, I will enter to help the sick. I will abstain from all intentional wrongdoing and harm, especially from abusing bodies of man or woman, bond or free. And whatsoever I shall see or hear in the course of my profession, as well as outside my profession, my intercourse with men, if it be what should not be published abroad. I will never divulge holding such things to be holy secrets. Now, if I carry this oath and break it or not, may I gain forever reputation among all men for my life and for my art. But if I break it and forswear myself, may the opposite befall me. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for reading that. Wow. More stuff in there than I, I realized, realize. <laughs> particularly the stuff about abortion. <laughs> uh, I won't do abortions. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That was a, yeah, that was a weird, but I, you know, for the time, I guess, whatever. It I, was a very specific yeah. like, method. I guess the, the bit that everyone's familiar with is, the, is the first do no harm. And that's why it always comes up in reference to this particular discussion because it's, it, it would seem to be that yeah, killing people is, is obviously actively harming them. But you can contrast that with the views about that being a compassionate act. So mm. we've gone through those. It feels to me like we side much more with the, uh, with the arguments in favor. Yeah. I, I don't think there's tons to discuss on it. Mm. Like, I, I think we're both pretty, it's pretty clear, both in favor. Yeah. In which case, that wraps up our series. Guys, thank you very much. Those who listen to all three, feel free to contact us. A little slow sometimes on Instagram and Facebook. Some people have been messaging it's been great about the gambling prostitution episodes. And there was also one, a comment recently about God. <gasps> no, no. Yes. One of the God episodes. The second mm-hmm. one. Someone uh, said that we had a narrow perspective and I thought that was fair. But thank you for listening. Stay in touch. Speak soon. And thank you to everyone who leaves reviews. And yeah, see you Please see you next do leave time. a review on your podcast player of choice. Bye. Cheers, guys.